At least are you familiar, most of you, with that? Uh, Scott is. Scott, you're even dressed in green. Yeah. Yeah, I, this isn't a dialogue, Scott. This is me talking, mostly, so, um, uh, but I appreciate it. Um, I'm just kidding, right? You know that, right? Okay. You are dressed in green, though. And Shrek is green. He's like the ogre, right? He's not my favorite character. My favorite character uh, in the movie Shrek is that mouthy, arrogant, tactless donkey who won't shut up to save his life. He just goes by the name Donkey. I've been called that or in a few other things in my life. But um, in one of the scenes, Shrek, the big green ogre, he is going off to save the princess Fiona. Some of you know it. While the donkey tags along with him. The donkey tags along with him wherever he goes. And while Princess Fiona is trapped in the castle with the molten lava all around, um, Shrek and Donkey cross this wobbly, unstable bridge. And Donkey, out of fear, wants to turn around. I want to go back. I'm not going, he yells. And Shrek says, you're already halfway there. And Donkey says, yeah. But I know that half is safe. Some of us, I think, can relate to donkey. We want to be on the half of the bridge that we think is safe. When in reality, (laughs) the whole bridge is in peril. How many of you, as you identify yourself, how many of you would identify yourself as risk takers? Okay, there's like two. Um, Maybe three. We had somebody in first service who uh, sat right there, actually raised their husband's hand for them. Um, I won't mention any names. Manny Finney. Um, Usually church people tend to be cautious folks. In fact, that could be one of the factors that the church in America is struggling today. Maybe we don't take enough risks for Christ. We are afraid to invite our neighbors to church. We're afraid to to jump in on a big mission project or a big idea. We're afraid because sometimes it fails. Sometimes I think that J.B. Phillips' words speak well in our lives when he wrote, Our God is too small. I think that may be why Jesus gave us the parable that he gave us today in the Gospel of Matthew. I want to invite you to turn to Matthew 25, the first book of the New Testament. Jesus' words, starting at verse 14. And would you stand for the reading of the Gospel? Matthew 25, beginning at 14. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called the servant and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who received five bags of gold at once put the money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags gained two more, and the one who'd received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled the accounts with them. The man who'd received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrust me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid 
and I went out and hid the gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. And his master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. You knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Then, then why would you put the money and not put it on deposit with the banker so then returned it would have received at least back some interest? So take the bag of gold from him, give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more and whoever will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even though they have, will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There's lots talked about in this, and we're obviously not going to get to all of it. But I, I think it's one of I think it's one of Jesus' best known parables. I think it's also one of his most misunderstood parables. These three men entrusted with bags of gold. Two of them put the gold to work and bring back uh, uh, an investment that brings harvest. The third is more timid. He doesn't like taking risks. He is more afraid of failing than he is excited about succeeding. And so he buries his bag in the ground. Now, I think that part of the man's problem begins with his view of the master's character. You note how he defends his, his, uh, his action. He, he, says, he says, Master, I, I knew that you were a hard man, and, and, and basically I, I hid it in the ground. And let's, let's imagine that for a second. Let's imagine that in Jesus' parable, the master represents God. You think about that for a moment. How many of us have regarded God in this, in this way? Master, I knew you were a hard man and I was afraid. Honestly, how many of you grew up afraid of God? My hands up, maybe two hands up. Afraid of judgment, afraid of God's wrath. It took some time in my life for me to really understand that God's good news really was good news. That God really did love me and you, and His desire is for our best good. I fear that some of us are like the little girl that, that ran into their, their mom's lap and just sobbing and weeping and, and jumped up, and mom says, what's wrong? And she says, oh, mommy, God doesn't love me anymore. And mom says, well, what do you mean God doesn't love Of course he No, He doesn't love me anymore. I played the daisy game this morning. He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me, and it stopped on he loves me not. I think some people have a God who, who is just as fickle as that. If things go our way, then God must be with us. But if things are tough and things are hard, well, God must, God must be not here. God, where are you? He loves me, he loves me not. He loves me, he loves me not. All based on the circumstances of our life. Can I just tell you from experience and knowing God's love isn't, isn't anything like the daisy game. He is, loved, he is with us in the tough times. He is with us in the good times. God's love never fails. It is the one thing that Paul writes to Corinthians. It is the one thing that remains. You can always count on his love. And much of our attitude sometimes towards God has to do with our upbringing. It is a, it is a well-known fact that some, for some people, the attitude that they have towards God is formed in ways that uh, when they were children, if they had difficult, difficult relationships or difficult uh, issues with their, with their own father. George Bernard Shaw, the great uh, English playwright and philosopher, said he had a, a very tough time understanding that God could love him because his father was a scoundrel. His, his daddy said spent all the time in either the pub or at the cricket games. And he said it was hard for me to understand that, that I could have a father that would love me. 
C.S. Lewis, that great writer, said he struggled with the same thing. His father was, was very harsh. He quoted Cicero to his children when he scolded them. When his mother died, he said it felt like we had been left all alone on an island. He went away to a boarding school, and, and the headmaster there was so, uh, so mean that eventually he was institutionalized. Lewis said, I had to overcome the fact that I had to understand I could find a God who loved me. Some of you can relate to that. Some of you, because I, I know some of your stories, you, you can relate to that, that some of the things you have gone through and some of the ways that you grew up, it's been difficult to find and understand that there really is somebody who loves you unconditionally. For me, it was a, a different problem, but I still had to work it out in my own life. I, I had a father who, who loved me unconditionally, and, and yet what I had to finally figure out was, was that God loved me in that same way. I had to figure out that, that the love that I had from my father really was a picture of the God who loves me, and I had to become convinced of that. Believe me when I tell you that there is one constant in life. It is that God's love never fails. And he is always with you. Even if your current circumstances aren't great, do not let go of that truth. He loves you today. He not only loves you, but God has made an investment in you. That's the meaning of this parable. As, mo as most of you know, that this parable has generally been known as the parable of the talents. Now, the talents is a, is a language that we gain from the, the King James Version of the Bible. It uses the word talents. But, but that's tough for us to understand because we don't use it in the same way today. We think of like America's got talents, those kind of talents. But, but in the first century, a talent was actually a measure of weight. It was a description of a measure of weight, usually for gold or silver or, or copper. Now, we don't know the value of these bags that these servants had. We don't actually even know what the historical weight of a talent is. We do know that it was the heaviest weight in normal everyday use. And so when you talked of a talent, it was quite a weighty, uh, a weighty number, and especially if it was a talent of gold. It's important to understand, Christ isn't saying that we ought to use our talents like our golf swing and our, and our singing ability to serve him. I, I think he is saying that, although my golf swing wouldn't serve anybody. But um, I think he is saying that, but he's saying something much greater than that. Everything we are. All of the opportunities of our life, our, our energy, our, our intelligence, our relationship, everything that has meaningful to us, including every resource that we possess, is a gift from God. And that life is not to be buried. And life is not to be squandered. Neither are we to hide our light under a bushel. We are to live boldly and creatively in the knowledge that we are children of God and His favor rests upon us. And I, and I think about that, and I, and I wonder in my own life, just I think, what if I really believed that? What if, what if I didn't? I really believe that, that I was to live as a person who, whose, whose favor, whose God's favor was upon me. How might that change my Monday, or my Tuesday, or my Thursday afternoon? I think all of those things are true, but what we find ourselves, these gifts from God, what we find ourselves doing is we find them burying them somewhere, keeping them somewhere instead of instead of living them out what what might tuesday or thursday look like for me if i lived out this favor of god that rests upon his children there's a story about a father and a daughter that uh, they lived in the city the daughter actually had grown up in the city never had left the city that's hard for people who live in north idaho to even comprehend but it's way more true than we understand 
She'd never even left the city before, but they went home to where the father had grown up to visit some relatives. And um, the dad was real excited for her to see where he had grown up in the rural area of, of life. And, and they're, they're walking along the, the road, and she's playing with the flowers and things. And, and it starts to get a little dusk out. And where she was from, um, when it started to get a little dark like that, that things, you know, you grabbed your dad's hand. Uh, it wasn't safe to be out. And she, she became a, a little nervous. She was awfully glad that her dad had brought along a flashlight. And, and suddenly, though, she looked up and she said, Dad, somebody has drawn, has drawn dots all over the sky. She'd lived in the city all of her life. She'd never seen the sky without the city lights. He was glad that the moon had not risen yet and the stars were bright and seemed so close. Daddy, she continued, if, if we were to connect all those dots, would it make a picture? She thought it looked a lot like a, a dot-to-dot puzzle. An interesting thought, he thought, but he said, no. The dots are there for another purpose. Each dot is a, is a hope of God for your life. He loves you so much and he has so much hopes in your life that you're, he has so much potential. He has so many dreams for you to live your life. In fact, there are more hopes than I can ever count. I knew it, she said. The dots do make a picture. I've always wondered what hope looks like. Maybe that is what hope looks like. That God loves you so much that he has so many hopes and dreams to fill into your life. He has such a plan for your life, whether you're at the beginning of the journey or towards the end of the journey. He has so many plans for your life, so many hopes that you and I, we couldn't count them if we tried. The steward who dug the hole in the ground buried the bag of what it was entrusted to him because I think he had a misunderstanding of the master's character. He saw the master as cruel and vindictive and maybe... Maybe that has been a picture of God that has been given you. Maybe that's been a picture of God that you've grown up with. Maybe it's a picture you're growing out of. Maybe you're helping those around you by the way you live. See that that's not the character of God at all. That God is a loving Father who watches on us and cheers us on and has hopes and dreams that our life would count for something wonderful. He has invested himself in you you think about that. He has invested himself in you. It brings us to one last thing. Today is a good day to begin investing your life in something that will make a real difference. He has invested himself in you, and so what will you do? Will you bury or will you invest? If, if you're one who buries in the ground, today is a day to start investing. Today is a day to take to the next level. Today is a day to, to become more of who God has called you to be in his kingdom. You see, it's, it's one thing to, to decide, yes, I should do that. It's another thing to actually do it. The parable reminds us that while the master is gracious, he has expectations. That the person you are, the talents that God has given you, he expects you to not sit on them or squander them or bury them. And, and, you know, sometimes a father's love is best expressed when he calls us to step up, when he calls us to a higher place of living, to live out the potential that he sees within us. And the parable makes it clear that God's judgment, God's judgment is not based on investing in your life and losing. What displeases the master is sitting on what you have and not investing at all. 
Let me tell you about a Canadian writer you probably haven't heard of. His name is Martin Root. Root's passion is to bring heaven to earth. You think about that for a moment. What would heaven look like on earth? And uh, it's a lofty dream, but he says one that he thinks should be visualized by those who call themselves kingdom people, at least where they live, to see the connection of God invade the connection of this world. And so he holds these workshops. The workshops just consist of three questions. That's it. Three questions. The first question is this. When is a time in which you have experienced heaven on earth? And then he goes around and and people share. What What are those moments where you have experienced that? He goes to the second question and he asks this. He picks up a pen. He says, I'm going to take this pen and we're just going to pretend this is a magic pen and I've got, I've got the power to just swoop it over and to create heaven on earth. And he asks, what, does it, what would that look like? And for some people, they begin to talk about it. For some people, it's an end of poverty. For other, others, it's the end of war or hunger or violence or healing or sickness. And the list goes on and on. And then Martin moves to a third question. The third question is this. What simple, easy, concrete steps will you take in the next 24 hours to move that vision, that goal, that hope forward? What what will you do over the course of the next week to actually not just talk about it, but to do something about it? The results of Martin's sessions have been pretty amazing. For example, there was a woman who was at the workshop who had a who had a real burden for homelessness in her community. And, and she didn't know what to do. She was a realtor. She worked 80 hours a week. She didn't have a lot of time to do anything. But he, he asked her, he said, well, what could you do? And she began to think about that. She went back to her, her office and she gathered her brokers around her and she said, I really have a heart for those. We sell homes. I have a heart for those who don't have homes. Would you help me in this? Every time you make a sale, every time, whether it's a home or a commercial property, would you give $100 of your commission to a fund? And let's begin to do something about the homelessness in our community. Do you know that that, that real estate agent and that agency has raised over $50,000 for the homeless in their community? Another woman who went to uh, Root's seminar said uh, she had a passion for women who had been victims of violence. She was trying to figure out how she could help and what she could do. She really wanted to have a ministry to, to come alongside and, and support people. And, and so she didn't know what to do, so she asked Root. She said, well, if you were me, what would you do? And he, he responded to her, well, I don't know, Susan. That was her name. He said, I don't know, Susan. I suppose I could give $5,000 or I could give a penny. And she said, a penny? What, what good is a penny going to do? Until another woman who was with them said, yeah, wait a second. What if, what if everybody in our county donated a penny a month to help end violence against women and to come alongside and minister to them. Last October, they set up a program called Making Change. They began handing out little mason jars all over their community with a woman's face on it. One half, one half that was beaten and another half vibrant and alive. And they have begun a ministry to come alongside and to live alongside and to love as Jesus loves women who are in need. And you know what? It's not only worked in their county, but the county next door picked up on it as well and have begun doing the same thing. Martin Root is on a, on a mission to try to bring heaven to earth. And I think he's on to something. For Jesus gave his life for just exactly that purpose. He called it the kingdom of heaven. And he calls his followers to, to live their lives and be people who invest in that kingdom. That thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. 
And it will be by God's people who will choose to live sacrificially by God's way that God will change the world. He has given us the minds. He has given us the bodies to do so. The question becomes, of all the opportunities and resources that we are given, are we a people who bury them in the ground or are we a people who invest them for the kingdom? And he asks the question, what simple concrete concrete steps will you take in the next 24 hours to move this forward? What will you do in the next week that will take a step forward that affects the positive change of the world for the kingdom of God? Not to just talk about it, but but what will it look like? What, what would it look like no matter no matter where we find ourselves at, no matter where we're people who, who, who already do something? What would it mean to take the next step? To be a people who don't bury the many opportunities, countless opportunities that come our way, and to be a people who live out that faith, not just Sunday morning, but, but in all the aspects of our life. Would you accept a challenge like that? God loves you. He has made an enormous investment in you. In fact, he's called you to be his ambassadors. He's called you to be his reconcilers. God wants you to invest your life in something wonderful. He's he's this father who has given you all of this potential and, and wants to see you live your life that way. But we have a choice. We can do that or we can dig a hole. We can bury it. We can cover it up. Because we become so afraid that if we give it away, we won't get it back. choice is really ours. But be reminded of this. There is a day that the Master will return and he will ask you the question, what have you done with what you've been given? I want that question to bug you all day. I I do. I, I want you, when you're watching football today, I want you to think about that question. When you tried your best to take your Nazarene nap this afternoon, I want it to come to you. What will you do in the next 24 hours to take a step forward, to actually put some feet, to take some action, to be a person who says, I'm not going to bury. What will you do in the next week that says, I'm going to take the next step forward in being a person that invests in God's kingdom? It doesn't have to be something grand. It might only affect one person. In fact, that one person might even be you. The choice becomes ours. You see, some of us, some of us have five bags, and some of us have two and some of us have one. It's never been about what we have. It's been about what we do with what we have. What will you do? Will you bury? Or will you live out the calling of the kingdom? Father, thanks for this morning, for being with us, meeting us in this place. We have sung to you, we've read scripture recalling who you are, we have been reminded that you are a God who never fails. We've also heard the words of Jesus out of the Gospel of Matthew today that remind us that our lives are not our own. In fact, there's probably, me included, folks here who need to say, Lord, forgive us for thinking that our lives are our own. We've been bought and paid for with a price, and yet you give us a choice. You give us a choice whether we follow or not, but your hope for us, hope beyond hopes, are to be a people who live out all of the potential and all of the good and all of the 
the work of an ambassador of the kingdom that you have given us. So Lord, we go from this place having to make a decision. Will we be a people who marry? Or will we be a people who live out boldly? God, help us take the next step. Help us, whatever that is, to take another step to be your hands and feet for your kingdom. And may, because of the work we do, may others know better your love that never fails. I pray your blessing on each one here as we go and live out our faith on the Mondays and Tuesdays and Thursdays of our life. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord bless you as you go.